0: Welcome to Satsang.
1: Hello Vishwant. Can you please answer the question, do we have to choose between happiness and success?
0: Well, some people would say that uh, success is happiness, wouldn't they? Um, I would say that (laughs) if what you're doing uh, in your life makes you happy, uh, I would say that you're having a very successful life. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't do what makes them happy. And so they'll put other things before happiness, thinking that somehow they'll gain happiness later when they get something else. Happiness is being content with what is, really. Being okay with what is, rather than racing to get something, rather than stressing yourself out for a later production. To be content, to just be here and okay with what's here. That's pretty good. And so I found that there was different forms of happiness in my life. I found that in serving heart, I found happiness because there's such a beauty in serving heart. When you serve heart, you experience love and there's a certain joy in that. There's a happiness in that. And so I used to serve heart. And I call that manageable happiness because as long as I was serving heart, I felt pretty happy. There is another type of happiness. It's profound contentment for no reason. And this is the happiness that is found when awareness becomes aware of itself and the mind rests in beingness, profoundly content for no reason. And so we look at the different definitions of happiness. I like the idea of being happy for no reason. Because if there's a reason for your happiness, well, that reason could be taken away. Just being is so beautiful. It is lovely to just be. This idea that you have to sacrifice happiness for success, I can't see why you'd need to do that unless you're doing something that you don't like. I mean, if you're doing something you love and you're successful at it, well, that's pretty cool. But if you're doing something that's taking you away from happiness, putting you in misery, well, maybe you should have a second look at what you're doing because you don't get back any of the moments that you've lost being unhappy. I just don't see the point in it. It's always best to love what you do, or find a way at least to love what you do. And then you're happy. And then you're successful. So ultimately it comes down to definitions really. I see happiness as being content with what is. It's lovely. But if happiness relies on me getting a new car or my relationship improving or my health improving or or something else, well then it's going to be very fleeting because all of those things don't last. How about being okay with what is right now? There's happiness. Are there any questions, any statements, any challenges to what's been said today?
1: The first question, did you ever work a job that you didn't like but found a way to love anyway or did you just leave those jobs for something else?
0: It's true, I left those jobs for something else. (laughs) There were a couple of jobs when I was a teenager that I tried um, that I didn't feel happy in, and I lasted a few hours and walked out. (laughs) I found a way to enjoy what I did when I was young. If I didn't enjoy it, I I did walk out. Uh, I think it's important that you... have Find something that you love to do, or you find a way to love what you do. Otherwise, life becomes quite burdensome. There's no joy in it. You can't squeeze the joy out of misery. (laughs) Find a way to be happy with what you do. Make it okay. Accept it as it is. And be happy.
1: Has your definition of success changed throughout your life?
0: Heck yeah. Yep, success used to be winning at rugby, winning at martial arts, winning at racing motorbikes, winning at school and getting a high mark. Winning used to be being successful in business. Winning used to be able to get the motor going on the motor car after it stopped. (laughs) winning was all about success and success is okay there's nothing wrong with success can you be okay with loss as well though because if you can be okay with loss as well as okay with success you can be happy either way if you're only going to be happy when you succeed well there's going to be a lot of time that you're not going to be happy and so Be okay with whatever is. You do your best, you win, you win. You lose, you lose. You do your best. And you be okay with whatever the outcome is.
1: How do I learn to be happy even when I fail?
0: Well, failure is how we learn. We all learnt to walk by falling over. Uh, If we hadn't fallen over and failed at walking, we would never have got up again and tried again, and we would never have learned how to walk. Uh, Failure is a part of success. It's not separate from success. It's an essential part of success and should be seen as such. And so it doesn't matter really how many times you fall over. It matters how many times you get up. And in going for higher consciousness, it's exactly the same. It doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong or you make a mistake, how many times are you going to try to make it right? It's a bit like getting angry. You know, you get angry and you realize, oh, anger is not a good thing to have. It's a form of violence. It hurts people. It hurts yourself. And you start catching yourself. You start saying, well, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be violent with myself and other people. And so you start catching it. And after a while, because you have the intention of not being angry, after a while you get better at not being angry. You get better at responding instead of reacting because anger, of course, is a reaction. It's a defensive reaction. stops us from feeling something that's been touched. But in not wanting to be angry and putting a program in place to stop it, we start to remove it. And we can remove it. It takes time. We're going to fail a lot before we succeed. Uh, Failure is just part of success.
1: I think I'd be happy if I achieve becoming a better person more giving, more loving, more compassionate, and more mature. Is this also an illusion?
0: Heck yeah. What about now? That's all about later. Later's not real. What about now? How are you now? Can you be okay with you as you are right now? Because if you're not content with how you are right now, you're not happy. Putting everything off to a later is crazy because it's not real. Only now is real. You find a way to accept how you are right now.
1: If one is not already accepting, what's a good place to start? (laughs)
0: <laughs> except that you don't accept. You always begin with what's there. If you're not accepting, that's what's there. So you accept that. If you've got fear running, you accept that. If you've got anger running, you accept that. If you're contracted in any way, shape or form, you, can, you accept it. You begin everything with acceptance. This is a way of life. This is a way to live. This is a beautiful way to live. The way of acceptance takes you to higher consciousness, it takes you to superconsciousness. it opens the heart up, allows you to perceive love. It's just that we're not really programmed for acceptance, we're programmed for resistance and so it's something we have to learn. And we can only learn it through practice and like anything else we practice, we will fail until we succeed.
1: The next question is from Neil. Hello, 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 Vishrant.
2: So, I, w- I wanted to know if one could get addicted to meditation itself.
0: Heck yeah! What a great addiction that would be. That's the addiction that I have. I'm addicted to being present to reality continuously. Absolutely, 100% addicted. Oh, yeah, love it.
1: Right. So it's, it's not going to affect our real life, right, work and things like
0: that? Well, you've got to work out what, what meditation is. For meditation is simply being present to what is real, whether you're doing a formal meditation, which might be a sitting meditation, watching the breath, or you're doing a walking meditation where you're just aware of everything around you, Or you're just in company of other people chatting with them and you're being present to them completely you're in meditation the only Mm. time we're not in meditation is when we're dreaming when we're thinking right
1: right right and uh, i've got one more question that is i love playing video games and most of these video games are violent but I'm not a violent person in real life. So that made me thinking then why do I love playing violent video games? So is it a repressed part of me that wants violence? So what's your take?
0: There's a couple of things about playing violent video games. One is you can't play them unless you're absolutely present to what's happening on the screen, which means in a way it's a form of meditation because you're being with what is there. You're not dreaming about it. You're not thinking about it. You're being with it because usually these video games are fast moving. So you haven't got time to think anyway. You have to be very present. Same as racing a motorbike. You have to be 100% present, otherwise you die. In a video game, you're not risking your life, but you still have to be present. Mm -hmm. I think that you're talking about a form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Your mind is entertained by being present to action, and that action just happens to be violent. Right. All right.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mm Vishwan. The next question has been written by Inika. How is Dharma related to doing what you enjoy?
0: (laughs) Depends what your definition of Dharma is, really. My understanding uh, is that everything, everything is a way of being in the world that can either be present, you're present to, or not present to. And when we learn to be present to what is real, to what is actually happening, rather than what we're thinking about what's happening, we're not only living the Dharma, we're an example of it to others. Because really, most adults live in dream. They walk around like zombies, constantly in their heads. To not do that, to actually be present in life, is a whole other way of living. And it's not something any of us were programmed for. We were all programmed to live in our heads. That's what happened when we spent 12 years at school. We got trained to live in our heads, constantly solving problems. To regain reality from that dream, we have to practice something different instead of practicing problems problem-solving and practicing living in our heads, we practice being present to what is real, what is around us, what other people are saying, not constantly what we're thinking. And so when we talk Dharma, be present, live it. Ultimately, if we're looking for truth, a mind that can be present to reality is a mind that will support it. If we're looking for heart a mind that can be present to reality is a mind that will support it this is how it is people think it's all very spiritual but it's not it's actually reality people are dreaming I'm teaching reality I'm not teaching dream I'm just teaching people how to be real some people call me a spiritual teacher I'm a reality teacher Get present, be present, live the Dharma. The
1: next question is from Abai.
0: Hello, Abai.
2: Hi, Vishram. Uh, Vishrant, I have heard you say that uh, give your joy and your pain to the God.
0: Um, how do I do that? Okay. So what people do is they tend to own their pain. They tend to own their misery. They tend to own everything, actually. This is the identified mind. This is the I. It likes to own everything. Instead of owning it all, why not give it to beingness? Why not give it to God? Why not give the lot to God? Everything. The good, the bad and the ugly. Don't own it. So I so, give my I, I give everything to God. Everything. Everything is to God. Everything. Or you know, beingness, whatever you want to call it. Everything. Hang on to nothing.
2: So just drop it to the existence of the God.
0: Well, people want to get rid of their misery. They want to get rid of their grief. They want to get rid of their pain. They want to keep their joy. They want to keep their love. Don't keep anything. Give everything to God.
2: Yes. That makes (laughs) sense. Yeah. Yes. We try to keep the joy and
0: just want to drop the misery part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're being selective. Just give everything to God, everything to truth, everything to beingness.
2: Thank you very much,
0: Ah, Thank you, Abhay.
1: The next question is as follows. I find I work so hard in my business, planning and working for a better future. How can I still be happy now?
0: Planning for a better future while ruining your now is not a good idea. (laughs) Because when the future comes along, you'll be doing the same thing. Because that's your pattern, that's your program. Have a look and see. Sacrificing now for later Is silly because later you'll do the same thing. You'll sacrifice the now for later because that's your default pattern. Don't sacrifice the now, enjoy the now. Find a way to love the now. Find a way to be here very present to the now. Find a way to enjoy the now because it's real. Nothing about the future is real. Nothing. It's all just a dream. By the time it comes, you're going to be doing the same thing then as you're doing now. That's just how it works. Enjoy the now. Be here now.
1: It, it makes a lot of sense to me when to not sacrifice the now for. About a yeah, but I, catch, I, I still catch myself doing it. So is it just is it just a pattern?
0: It's just a pattern. It's just a pattern you think that you have a later that you're going to enjoy and you're willing to sacrifice the now to enjoy it later, which won't happen because later you'll be doing exactly the same thing because you're working a default pattern that you developed as a child. You have to find a way to love the now, to be here now, always now because now is the only time that's real. Before is not real, later is not real. Only now is real.
1: Is there a way to teach children not to have this pattern?
0: Children model off their parents. If you're very present to reality, if you're not a dreamer who lives in your head, they're going to copy you. They're going to be present too because they role model off you. You are their main primary teacher up to about five years of age, and that's when they learn most of their stuff. By the time they hit seven, they've learned just about everything, all their patterns for life. Now, if you're a dreamer who's not present, well, they're going to copy you. You really want to raise children to be present, be present yourself.
1: The next question has been written by a viewer. I was really surprised that you seem to think that violent video games are fine. So by that logic, is being violent in the marketplace also okay, as you have to be totally present so that only the victim gets hurt?
0: Ah, I didn't say video games that were violent were fine. I said that they could be used as meditation and they're used as entertainment. I was talking to a gentleman who's using violent video games and I just explained to him that you can be very present to any kind of game like that. You have to be. A bit like riding a motorbike. I wasn't in support of violent video games. You misunderstood me. (laughs) But I'm also in acceptance of whatever people want to do. I'm not going to fight someone for what they find entertaining. That's their business, not mine.
1: The next question has been written by Kelly. I feel awareness is like something in the background watching. Is it so?
0: Yes, it is so. It's always watching. It's always here, always aware. Always, always here. It's the only thing that is always here, really. Mind comes and goes. Dreams come and go. And what's aware of them? Awareness is here. It's like clouds in the sky come and go, but the sky is always there. Same, same. Awareness is always here, and awareness is our true nature. That that comes and goes is not us. We are that that is always here.
1: The following question has been written by Ritu. Do you you have any desires or did you lose all desires before awakening? And what are desires?
0: Yeah, right. In beingness there are no desires. When I come out here into the material world, so I've got an awareness in and an awareness out, the desire can arise because I might be hungry. The desire to eat, the desire to go to the toilet, the desire to go to sleep at nighttime. So desires do arise. But there's no addiction in them. There's no force in them. Uh, So there's no suffering in them. The only time that desire really creates suffering is when we back it with resistance. Otherwise, it's just a preference. There's nothing wrong with uh, preferences. We actually have to have them to operate in the material world. In beingness, eyes shut, no desires, no attachments, no nothing. But out here in the material world, when I'm walking around talking with people and being out here, yeah, there's desires. Definitely a desire to stay warm if it's cold. A desire to stay cool if it's hot. (laughs) People get a very funny idea of what awakening is. Knowing yourself as beingness, you shut your eyes and you go in and there's nothing. Then you come out here and there's nothing but there's also this and in this world we still have to operate and out here there's love of everything. Inside there's just vast nothingness But out here yeah, I've got a cup of tea happening at the moment it's quite nice. There's not a strong desire to have it but I wouldn't have picked it up unless I wanted it, would I? doesn't mean anything. There's no contraction in it. There's no suffering in it. We only really contract when we put resistance into what we want. Otherwise, not much. It's nice tea too.
1: When you are out here... What percentage of your awareness is out and what percentage is in beingness?
0: <laughs> okay, so when I shut my eyes and stop talking, it's 100% in. When I come out, it's, it is a gradiated experience in that I can be quite far out and very active in the material world while still being in, or I can be quite in and less active. Sometimes uh, after satsang, uh, I won't drive a car because I'm too in. Before satsang, driving a car seems to be safe enough, but after satsang, holding formal satsang, too far in, not a good idea to drive a car even. Too far gone. And so it varies. it varies. It varies. And different times of the day seem to make it vary as well. And some days I spend a lot of time inside. And other days I spend a lot of time outside. But always, awareness is aware of itself. Sometimes it's been referred to as one foot in, one foot out. Not a bad way of putting it. But because there's one foot in, nothing out here is believed. There's no possibility of believing that there's a somebody here. There's no possibility of believing anything out here really because it's just now this whole idea that people live in in their heads with having a future and having a past it's just not true it's just not real there's just now and now's pretty good
1: (laughs) next susha would like to ask a question
0: Hello, Susha.
2: Hi, Vishrant. I get very unhappy when my awareness is stuck on the mind. I can't be in the present moment. I struggle with it and I wonder if there is some way to break the cycle.
0: Well, I would begin with acceptance of what is. If your awareness is on the mind and you're aware and you're aware of that just accept that because to be in non-acceptance is to create suffering for yourself you accept it and if you want it to go back to being this you self-inquire you inquire what's aware of the mind and whatever the mind's doing the mind's thinking what's aware of that but giving your mind a hard time for being the way it is is just create suffering in you and there's no need what about just accepting that that's how it is in the present moment for you? You see, it's a relaxed mind that supports uh, higher consciousness and supports superconsciousness. A mind that is giving itself a hard time is not a relaxed mind. We relax our minds by practicing acceptance of what is. There is no other way. In acceptance, the mind can rest. And a restful mind is a peaceful mind. And a peaceful mind is a mind that will support enlightenment.
2: So Shrant, I try to not do self-inquiry when I'm in uh, some kind of a painful state because I feel I'm avoiding the pain or I'm avoiding whatever is leading to my mind and leading to my awareness being on my mind. Um, I'm always confused about this. When is it a good time to do the self-inquiry and be able to find that separation?
0: So the process I had, if I was uh, experiencing uh, pain, um, emotional pain, probably old wounding, I would allow myself to be with that and I'd be in acceptance of that. Um, I didn't do self inquiry when I was actually feeling the wounds of my heart because that would have been me using a methodology to escape my wounds of my heart. But I used self inquiry at a lot of the other time, you know, when there was nothing else happening, when my mind was pretty um, passive, when there wasn't any wounding happening that I was trying to avoid, I'd actually self inquire. But if I was in pain, if I was you feeling emotional pain, old wounding probably, I'd allow myself to be okay with that and be with that while also being with everything else. It's like we don't need to focus on our wounding to heal it. All we need to do is be okay with it being there.
2: Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, Susha.
1: Next question is as follows Is the seeker unnecessarily sorry, is the seeker necessarily unhappy when discovering that life is suffering? Isn't it sometimes easier to be happy and peaceful in ignorance?
0: <laughs> ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> Acceptance brings happiness, not ignorance, ignorance doesn't bring happiness. Go for acceptance. If you can accept life the way it is, you can have peace. Whether you wake up or not, acceptance is a wonderful thing to foster in the mind. And for all human beings, it gets hard. For all human beings, things go wrong. It's just the way it is. This is the life we have. If we can be in acceptance of those things that go wrong, if we can be in acceptance of the things that may be negative in our life, we can have a peaceful life. We can be happy. But if we're in non-acceptance, and we're in resistance, well, we're creating our own misery. But be sure of this, we are creating our own misery, because we're the ones who are offering the non-acceptance. We're the ones that are offering the resistance to what is. We are creating our own misery.
1: The next question: I see a lot of successful people that look stressed, tired, and unhappy. Does being successful in the material world mean that you have to sacrifice your health and happiness?
0: Well, I didn't have to. I was successful uh, in the material world, and um, I was pretty happy. I, I, I look. I got, I got. An understanding when I was quite young that if you can find a way to love what you do, uh, no matter what it is, you can be happy. It's only when we uh, decide to not love what we do and to go into resistance that we have a problem. And so uh, I had a successful career as a young man and I was pretty happy most of the time. One thing I didn't do was ever see myself as a victim, no matter what was happening in life. I chose to not volunteer to be a victim, so I chose to not suffer because the moment we choose to be a victim in life, we suffer. Uh, I also chose to not support worry in my life at a very young age because I could see how detrimental it was and how it absolutely changed nothing. And so in not supporting worry for long enough, the habit that I developed, which was a family habit of worrying, stopped. Because I stopped supporting it for long enough until it stopped. Same victim oriented thinking. I stopped supporting it. Could not see any value in being a victim of life. Could not see any value in making myself miserable. So I stopped it. And after a while, it stopped coming. We can reprogram ourselves to have happier lives, no matter how badly we have been programmed, if we're willing to put the work in to put new patterns in or delete all patterns. It's up to us. We create our own reality by the way we think. Nobody does it to us. We do it to ourselves. We are 100% responsible.
1: How did you choose what kind of new patterns you wanted to install in yourself?
0: I was fortunate at the age of 19 to come in touch with uh, teachers who were teaching what I teach. They were teaching uh, me how to become um, a better person by removing limiting belief systems. And any belief system that creates suffering in you is limiting. So. People believe in victim oriented thinking. They believe they are victims. They they start playing the blame game. I removed all of that. Could not see any value in it whatsoever. And all people do when they're victims is suffer. They don't do anything else. So I was lucky that I, I had teachers come into my life at the age of 19 and they taught what I'm teaching right now. And I bought it lock stock and barrel it was to me it was just gold how to have a life that didn't involve me hurting me because of my resistance to life because I realized that how I thought was creating my reality nothing else you know bad things might happen but I was the one that had to choose to be a victim I was responsible for my reaction I couldn't control what was happening a lot of the time, but I could definitely control my reaction.
1: Does the path towards higher consciousness and enlightenment have anything to do with our ability to succeed in the material world?
0: Well, it's the same recipe. The recipe for success in the material world, uh, whether it's business or sport or music or anything really, the recipe for success is the same as the recipe for success uh, in higher consciousness. It demands your totality. Uh, If you want to be super successful at anything, you get very total at what you do. There's um, the same formula, absolutely the same formula. And so being successful in the material world, if you are, you've learned a formula. If you apply that formula to higher consciousness, it'll get you there as well.
1: How do you develop totality?
0: Give yourself no choice. That's what discipline is really when you look at it. Giving yourself no choice. You just do this. You don't do anything else. You do this. Giving yourself no choice. If we give ourselves choices, we're likely to flake out. If you give yourself no choice, you don't flake out. You're total. Partiality causes failure. Totality rules. Actually, particularly in the game of higher consciousness, totality rules. Can you imagine a football player who's at the top of the league who wasn't putting his total effort in being successful wouldn't happen it's only because he put his total effort in that is successful but that goes with everything whether it's music or business totality rules people give themselves a break they uh, take they they get let themselves off they st- they're not total well they fail because that's what causes failure You want to succeed in life. You want to succeed in higher consciousness, put your totality into it. The next question is
1: as follows. My pattern is to be driven by the hope of a better future to become better at my job, to build a family, to become more conscious. Why am I having so much trouble letting go of this ambition?
0: hope what a poisonous thing that is first of all it's not real and hope is a two-sided coin on one side is the the bit that you want to be successful the hope i hope it all works the other side of it of that coin is it's not going to work in other words the fear the fear of failure so hope is i put it in the same bag as fear it's like a future projection that's not real why entertain it why not just make it happen? Why live in hope? If you're living in hope, you're also living in fear because it's the other side of that coin is fear. And also, it's not even real. It's, it's a projection to the future. Being, creating ambition out of hope as craziness. Just make it so. Go for what you want and make it so. Be present. Make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, do something else. Make that happen. Quite often if you go to a Buddhist temple, you'll notice above uh, the door, the entrance, is says abandon hope. It's because hope is poisonous. Because it's not about being present. It's about some dream about later. That's not real in any way, shape or form. If you're willing to hope, serve hope, you'll serve fear. Serve neither. Be present. The next question is from Kalimba. Hi, Bishrat. Hello Kalimba. The, when you were talking about hope there, it just reminded me of a, an old situation in Rajanishpuram when I was there. And in discourse one day, he said, apparently the sign at the gate had been defaced by some of the right-wing Oregonians and they had scrawled Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. And
2: she said, That is surprising. They have got my message.
0: Yeah. What I say, abandon hope. <laughs> I thought that was quite amusing that he turned it into that lovely positive energy. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, uh, he was absolutely accurate. But uh, he also was knowledgeable. He knew that that's what, what the, the problem with hope because he'd already studied Buddhism. And this is spoken about quite extensively in Buddhism. Abandon all hope because hope is not real. What is real is here and now. Hope is just a dream that takes you away from the here and now. And so most religions sell hope because that's all I've got to sell. Hope, a future that doesn't exist, takes you away from dealing with the pain of the now. But it's not a good thing because it takes you into a dream that's not real. Where are you? In reality, you know, what's here now? Can you be with this? The answer of course is yes, you can. And so yeah, show had a way of putting things that was brilliant, you know. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. <laughs> yeah, I loved him. Yeah, <laughs> Good to talk to you, Kalimba. And you is I miss you, you old fella.
1: <laughs> the next question is as follows. I found a quote in a meme that I really liked. It said only people who don't have joy in their life chase pleasure. Could you please comment on this? Is it your experience?
0: I don't know about that. I think that uh, whether people have joy in their life or they don't have joy in their life is human nature to chase pleasure or to chase comfort and to avoid pain. I think this is a primal imperative uh, of the psyche. And so I can't agree with that statement. Um, I'm sure that people who have joy in their life still chase pleasure. Why wouldn't they? It's part of the primal imperative to be comfortable and to avoid pain. (laughs) It's so so absolute, that statement. It's just not true. It's too absolute.
1: I feel happy and secure when I'm financially successful, but how can I be happy even when I'm struggling to pay my bills?
0: Ah, there's only one possible way and that's to be in acceptance that you can't pay your bills. And if you can be in acceptance of what is, and that might not be, you mean not being able to pay your bills. If you can be in acceptance, you can be happy. It's only when we're not in acceptance that we can't be happy. And so acceptance is something that we can practice and get really good at, but only through a lot of failures because it's hard because we're not programmed to do it we're programmed to resist but it is the key if you can practice acceptance in life you can have a very beautiful life if all you do is practice resistance to life wow man what what a hell you've created for yourself you are responsible for your reactions the world is the way it is not much control over that but you're responsible for your reactions If you're in non-acceptance, you're responsible for that, which means you're responsible for your misery. Life is the way it is. Accept it or not, your choice. The next
1: question has been written by Julia. I'm starting to think I should not entertain hope nor fear, compliments nor criticism, Excitement nor dread, just sort of being neutral about everything. Is this right?
0: So, <clears throat> what you there are different categories, really. Hope and fear are dream criticism can be very, very positive. Um, if for as a seeker, uh, I, there was two ways that I got to see how my mind worked one was I was a meditator and I watched my mind which is a very successful way of seeing how your mind works. The other was I was involved in encounter groups from a very young age where people would tell me what they could see in me. In other words, criticism. And I got to have a look and see stuff that I could never see until someone else pointed it out. And so I don't put hope and fear and criticism in the same category. I see criticism, both positive and negative, as very valuable. To the seeker, because it helps them see where they might be going right, what they might be going wrong. Hope and fear not worth entertaining. <laughs> criticism, positive, negative, that's okay. It uh, helps you see. It it takes your um, it takes your shutters off, so you can see more clearly.
1: What did you do with criticism that was delivered with? Anger or negativity.
0: Looked for the 1% that was true. You see, if we reject it because someone's angry, we're cutting off a source of information. And if we really want to know about ourselves, we really want to see what's going on, we can't afford to cut off any form of uh, information simply because we don't like the way it's delivered. Quite often, when people are angry, they'll tell you the truth that they normally wouldn't tell you about you. And so you can get more insight from them than a lot of other people who are too nice to tell you what they can see.
1: Is it even possible to be happy all the time?
0: Okay, yeah, wake up. (laughs) <laughs> in beingness there is profound contentment for no reason continuously the mind is in profound contentment wake up allow awareness to discover itself and then ha- get the mind your mind to support that and you'll find that you are never your mind you are always pure awareness Awareness cannot be touched by anything. It is pristine, cannot be touched. So
1: when you are living as awareness, does anything in your mind get touched?
0: Living as awareness, uh, happiness, unhappiness, Sadness, misery, pain, it's all irrelevant. It's a You're just witnessing it. You're not it. See, people get caught in the story of it being them, identified with it being them. When awareness is on awareness in a human being, that identification is dropped. So that might be, stuff might be happening. It's got nothing to do with who I am or what I am. That's a better way of putting it. Just witnessing it all, but after awakening, anyway, the mind settles down. It shuts up. It rests in beingness.
1: What does it mean to to be resting in beingness?
0: It's like resting in a bath of joy or a bath of bliss. It's warm and and it can't be described. I can only give you pointers that you can maybe imagine because it can't be described. But the mind when resting in beingness is at absolute peace. It's just so nice. It's blissful. (laughs) turn awareness onto awareness and find out for yourself
1: as a seeker how did you measure how successful you were in pursuing higher consciousness
0: okay we all get tripped up by different things and uh We contract against them and we create suffering as a result of that contraction. How I noticed my consciousness levels were changing was the things that used to contract me, the things that used to get me into resistance, no longer did. They were seen through. So instead of reacting with resistance, contraction, there was a response which is usually nothing. And so consciousness levels were going up. And so the little things that used to annoy me, the little things that used to cause contraction in me, no longer did. I could see clearly uh, what was going on, so there wasn't any reacting. There may have been a response, but there wasn't any reacting. And so as consciousness went up, less and less and less uh, bothered, really. Everything was okay as it was.
1: I feel happy when some things small things happen like parcels arriving in the mail for me but it's very short-lived how do i measure um true happiness
0: tosh i know this is the question is related to you because you um buy lots of small things on wish and uh, amazon and Wherever else you're on, go, go, or whatever it is. And I know that this makes you happy, Tosh. So buy more
1: things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Look, turn awareness back to itself, man. It's beautiful. I don't, your mind, like everyone's mind, has not been programmed to be happy it's been programmed to desire more and more and more desire to get attached to what it has and get fearful of using losing it it's a a machine that's designed for solving problems find beingness find beingness turn awareness back to itself choose to serve heart that's beautiful too In the service of heart the eye has to get out of the way Otherwise, it's not possible to be happy living as an ego, really, because the ego constantly wants things to be different. It desires things to be different constantly. It gets attached to anything that it thinks it owns, whether it's a person or a bit of property, and gets fearful of losing it, another form of suffering. The only way to truly be happy is to get out of your head. And awareness aware of itself is out of your head. Wake up. And so this is what the Buddha put forward in the four noble truths. Life is dukkha or dissatisfying. This dissatisfaction is caused by desires and attachments. Second. Third. There can be an end to this. A sensation of the suffering. Fourth. An eightfold path to freedom. That's up to you. You're the one that's creating your reality. Have a look at your mind. See what it does. See how it creates the suffering. See how it creates uh, desires and attachments. Practice acceptance. Practice openness. Practice self-inquiry. Practice meditation. Practice anything that gets you out of your head, basically. I used to love when I was young racing motorbikes. I didn't realize why. But it was, you can't be in your head when you're racing a motorbike. You've got to be present. Uh, it took years for me to work out that that's actually what I was up to. I wasn't into racing motorbikes. I was into being present. I was into being out of my head. Same with um, diving. I was a diver. Every time I hit the water, I was present to what was around me because it was dangerous. I didn't know that I was actually into present moment awareness. I thought I was into diving. It wasn't until I became a meditator Uh, after I joined um, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh's organization, that I realized meditation was what I was actually looking for, present moment awareness. Instead of being present to the dream in my head, which like everyone else's had been programmed to be problematic, problem solving, being present to reality takes you away from that nasty dream so all spiritual teachers teach present moment awareness. All spiritual teachers teach acceptance of life. Yet they're the hard things for us to learn because we've been brainwashed into dreaming. We've been brainwashed into resisting. And it's also a primal nature to desire and attach ourselves to things and then get frightened of losing them. But because we're intelligent, we can go beyond the mind. We can get out of the mind. I still like writing most fast motorbikes, but not to get out of my mind anymore. It's like riding fast motorbikes. I'm already out of my mind. I haven't done any diving for a long time. (laughs) Too far, I live too far away from the ocean. I'm in the hills now. I'm a hillbilly. But present, absolutely present to what's real. No interest at all in dreaming. No interest at all in living in that world. And spirituality, higher consciousness, is really about being present to what is real. It's not about anything else. It's not about smells or bells. It's about being present. And anything that can bring you to the present moment is worthy. Anything you can practice that can bring you to the present moment is worthy. That's up to you because you can't get this intellectually. You have to practice it. And you will fail, and you will fail, and you will fail. But is that's how we learn. We learn by failing until we succeed. Up to you. You're creating your reality. Thank you for satsang. Good to see you brave hearts here today.